0: Hello, and welcome to the Classical Currents Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Noble. Today we're talking with Travis Hatton, the music director of the Beaverton Symphony, about that ensemble's upcoming live stream concert that will close out their 2020-2021 season, entitled Almost Summer. The concert will stream on Friday, June 11th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, with a pre-concert talk by conductor Travis Hatton at 7 p.m., the Concert Features Works by Gustav Holst, George Friedrich Handel, and Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Okay, so the main reason we're talking today is the, the last concert of the Beaverton Symphony as, as it has existed for the, the 2021 season. Uh, is coming up here on June 11th, and it's a live stream concert. It's at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and you're also doing a 7 p.m. pre-concert talk, correct?
1: Yeah, it's actually already recorded. Uh, that's one thing I've always I found very difficult this year. Um, I mean, I initiated sort of pre-concert talks a decade ago with that group, and I find it a lot more difficult to like connect with a camera than I do with a group of people. Um, so not really happy about how well that's gone. I've tried to do my best and adjust. But this year I feel more emotionally tired than I have in a long time. Uh, and I'm not sure uh, how to kind of uh, to, you know, rest up from that. you
0: know Yeah, that seems like a common refrain. I think part of it is, it takes so much more energy when you're not getting that energy back. I guess if there's a luxury of having gone through this year, is, is that we sort of took for granted how much energy we got back from a live audience, where you, and where mm-hmm. you can see them, yeah. and even if they're at a distance, you're you get that feedback, which is invaluable, and it and it's this cycle that creates the excitement, and you know it's why musicians play is for yeah. that feeling. And when you're, when you're facing a camera and you have no feedback of any kind, it, you have to almost quadruple the amount of energy you're putting out and you have to generate that on your own. Yeah. So if you're trying to do a lot of performing as a musician, it gets incredibly draining. And I would imagine as a conductor, it's probably even more like that.
1: Well, I don't know if it's so much more like that because I do know that my ensemble members suffer from that. You make a very, very good point. Um, and that's one of the reasons, certainly, that all of us have felt a little, you know, let down, you know, even to finish a, you know, a small COVID-friendly concert in front of a live stream camera. I mean, you work as hard as you normally do to prepare and perform, and then when it's all over, basically the guy, the tech guy in the back is going. You know. But there's another thing about this, too, um, that I've been pondering lately. And as a conductor and uh you know you're sort of responsible for organizing a lot of things at least artistically and it's always been the way you know you sort of start gathering your season together you know many many months before it actually happens and and by now everything is laid out you're ready to go and then when the season comes you're sort of mentally prepared for what what lies ahead i wasn't that this year i mean we originally. You know, when when COVID hit, of course, we had to shut everything down. We were in the we were basically at a dress rehearsal mm. when we had to basically call everything off. Uh, so we looked at the data and what the you know the science and the everything. We tried to gather things together and we decided that we'd go ahead and plan a season that would start conservative, and then it looked like we'd be able to kind of add more people, uh, particularly when the brass players and and as we go on. We thought that you know by this time. You know, like the last concert of the season, we would be able to perhaps do a full concert that we had originally scheduled. So we started the season with that in mind. And then, of course, the second wave came and we had to throw all of that out again. Uh, so that that whole thing of uncertainty, that whole thing of basically have to, having to live from concert to concert, even making adjustments in your plans for that concert as you're actually preparing for that concert, yeah. that's also been a real strain. But well, here we are. We're doing a concert, as <laughs> you say,
0: and that's fantastic. It's interesting. You guys basically stopped your season last year right on the yeah. right on a dress rehearsal. I know mm-hmm. for the for the Oregon Symphony, we I believe it it wasn't quite our dress rehearsal, but it was our next to last rehearsal for the. Um, Right. giant burial piece that we were doing oh, man, and, that teeth. Was, and so much that was, we were so, so excited that about that and it absolutely. and all of a sudden you're just Once in a lifetime opportunity yeah and i'm hoping i'm hoping against hope that because there were was all the um rose bond uh projections that were going to be done the artist uh in the hall that that there's been so much investment in that that i hope we can make that realign and and uh have that performance Indeed. go ahead Indeed. and in a coming season but but i remember that that surreal feeling of walking out of the hall basically being told go and clean out your locker you'll have one more chance to get your any personal effects out of the hall at a later date but you can just head home now and you know march 15th and there we were with yeah. nothing left and the night before we had done i had with some colleagues done a uh, a chamber concert with Caroline Shaw and with Gabriel Kahane as the host that I guess will eventually be broadcast at some point. Mm -hmm. But having that last, that was literally the last experience of being with people in a restaurant and hugging them and sharing food and having that great post-concert thing that you have and not thinking, oh my gosh, a year and a half later is the next time that we'll conceivably be able to do something like that, and that's the way it ended up,
1: right? Um, and at the same time, we're trying to be optimistic, uh, and so uh, we have gone ahead and planned a regular season. Getting those dates lined up has been more difficult than usual, but nonetheless, we are still planning on a regular, you know, normal season starting in the fall. I'm sure that everybody. Uh, I was really looking forward to that possibility just to get back to what you were just talking about, the, the, not just the music and the performance, but the feeling of connection that you have with people. I, I know that everybody in my group misses it. You know, the first concert we have in the fall, of course, is the belated Beethoven birthday concert, right? Because, I mean, you can't just yeah. not, you can't just skip over Beethoven's 250th birthday. No. Right? And that's what we had to do. Poor Ludwig, but he's gonna get his just due, right? I, I, you know, we'll do our best to make sure that that happens. You know, it's the same thing with my, I have a couple other groups too, and we've basically been struggling with the same thing as I'm sure everybody has. So let's
0: talk a little bit about this concert because it's a really cool program. I did not know this Holst Moorside Suite. Um, I think perhaps because originally it was for a band. Brass band. Brass band. So as a string player, I didn't play in band. In, in junior high and high school, but, but what a wonderful piece. And I think it's great that you're highlighting a piece that isn't so well known to the typical concert goer, or even a professional musician like me that wasn't exposed to it as a, as a band piece. But is this in a string orchestra arrangement?
1: Yeah. I mean, it is a string orchestra version of it that he himself did. Um, he did, you probably know that Holst taught for many, many years. He was teaching at a, a school called St. Paul School for the Girls. And um, they were amazingly lucky to have him because he ended up writing at least three uh, compositions for that ensemble that actually have made their way into the standard repertoire.
0: Yeah, I grew up playing the St. Paul's Suite of course. in high school orchestra. And it's a, what a wonderful piece. And it has it opportunities for little solos and, it, you know, it's, it's a pink It's a piece, piece that can be
1: played by professional orchestras and they, they they find themselves having to work on it. It's a nice stretch for mm-hmm. a high school or ensemble. A good good high school ensemble. Yeah. Thing, but which I suppose this, is what.
0: Well. You know, at the same time being accessible to them. Yeah.
1: But uh yeah, this this piece is um, you know, of course it's the more side suite. So, you know, you're gonna have uh you're gonna have some influence from that particular part of England, you know, northern Yorkshire sort of almost Scottish sounding a little mm-hmm. bit in terms of the, the use of folk tunes or at least the influence of folk tunes. And that's one of the things that I find really fascinating about it is how he's able to kind of collect that sort of thing, slip it in there and still build a serious developmental composition around it. And, you know, the, the various movements, you know, the first one is just scherzo, right? Sort of a minuet. Right. And then the most, and for me, the most be- greatest movement is this nocturne, which is the middle movement which is so wonderful. I I can't help but think that, you know, as it starts to unfold in it's sort of modal sort of atmosphere that it's some kind of, um, you know, dark forest, you know, at twilight, you know, with a bunch of ground fog, you know, walking through it 5,000 years ago, you know, Mm. or something, there's something distant and something ancient about it. And yet it's, it's, it's sublime, but it sounds almost like a distant hymn.
0: Yeah. You know, those English composers, I feel like in a way they, there must be something in the air because they take after the great English painters where the landscape is so evocative. They also do these amazing, either pastoral or nocturnal, these, these evocations of an ancient landscape.
1: It's true. It's not only true of the, those composers of that time, like Vaughn Williams is the great example of that. You know, Here's a, here's a good example. The last movement is a march, and every good English composer has to write march. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like an English march. When you're in the middle of it, you're just going, how can this be Tchaikovsky? It cannot. I, I wonder if a little bit it's
0: due to the fact that you've got a relatively small landmass with a ton of really talented composers that have come up. So there was a very yeah. distinctive uh, language.
1: And even so, there's a lot of variety, not just in the landscapes, but even culturally, that small piece of land.
0: Yeah, multiple languages. Yeah. Um, so the whole, so that's a wonderful little three. Yeah. It's, it's three miniatures, really, right? Yeah. The movement. Yes, it is. Altogether, it's about 12, 13 minutes long. So it's, it's not a long piece. Yeah, and then the the Handel concerto grosso. I'm always delighted to hear Handel concerto Grosso's. Mm-hmm. and so here you're you're adding in winds to the strings.
1: I, I had sort of the I had already my woodwinds set up, so I, I went looking around for a Baroque concerto grosso that number one I liked and number two would fit those parameters. And I ran across this one, and I've been familiar with these concerto grosso before, but I've never actually conducted this one before. Something Wonderful. There.
0: Are you playing harpsichord for that? I am not.
1: I am. I am not. I. I only thought about it for a moment, out of my own vanity. (laughs) Uh, But yes, we have. We have a a a keyboard player in the orchestra who happens to have a harpsichord. So. Oh well, that's always handy. uh, A very nice one, in fact. So uh, we didn't have to even rent. Excellent.
0: So what ends up the concert? I have a Mozart symphony. Is that correct? I chose the Linz
1: Symphony. Uh, it's number 36 in C major. It's a mature symphony, but it's not quite one of his last. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, um, this has always been a favorite, favorite of mine. I got introduced to it when I was uh, in my early 20s, when I actually went to the Aspen Music Festival as a conductor, sort of. I mean, even as an undergraduate. But for the first time in my life, because I came from a relatively small town in California. the first time in my life, I actually met other people kind of you know or having the same kind of ideas about what they wanted to do with their life it was a great summer for me so i've, I've always been a real fan of the symphony and i find that it's really uh i think even amongst you know the average classical music fan pretty unknown and i think somewhat unappreciated there is no record of this orchestra ever playing this piece before which i find really strange because my predecessor uh, as the music director of this orchestra, was really that guy. He was the Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven guy, and he did a whole lot of it. And yet, they had never played this piece before, which I found astounding, but I also found I was really excited, honestly, because I do love the piece, and the idea of being able to introduce a piece that I that I really love to people who don't know it. And this is one of the great things.
0: Yeah, I think it suffers a little bit because you've got Symphony 35 before it, which is the Hoffner, which is, it's on every orchestra audition for violists and violinists and a fantastic piece. And then you have the Prague after this one, which is just an absolute unbelievable masterpiece. And, you know, one of the final four and it's just, and so here's Poor 36, which is It's an amazing piece, and it even has a nickname, so it should be played more than it is, you know,
1: for that reason alone, right? You know, of course, he wrote it because he had a stopover in Linz, um, and the local royalty made him stay for a while. And, uh, you know, he was traveling back to Vienna from Salzburg after a kind of unfortunate meeting with his father after he got married. There he was and he didn't have a symphony. So he basically wrote this piece in like four or five days, maybe, who we went through it once with the orchestra before the performance, which was the, the norm back then. It's a, it's a wonderful piece. It's just so, it's full of so much um, optimism and joy. You know, C Major was kind of that kind of piece for him anyway, kind of that, that kind of key for him. And just, uh, and you know, I don't know, maybe it's because he was a happily married man finally. And uh, you know, things were overall looking up him, uh, that he was. I, I can't imagine that he was in a bad mood when he wrote this piece.
0: I know uh, the thing that gets me with Mozart, probably more than any other composer. Well, there are two things. First of all, like Bach, he's an eminently practical composer, there was always a reason he composed something. It was like, okay, there's an occasion, I write a piece, right? You know, you compare that with somebody like Beethoven that would slave over, you know, a string quartet that maybe one quartet in the world was going to be able to play. You think of the late stuff and maybe it gets a performance. Maybe it doesn't uh, while he's still alive. And, you know, that's a very different, but Mozart was always like, well, the uh, official in this city likes a violin concerto. And my dad wants me to play violin concertos to promote myself. So I'll write one. And then you get these masterpieces
1: that. Well, because he's Mozart.
0: Yeah, exactly, because he's Mozart. And the other thing about Mozart is that oftentimes his music doesn't reflect the circumstances of his life at the time. You know, there were, I can't remember the piece, but there was something that was written shortly after his mother died that is one of the most joyful things. Yeah. And, but at the same time, he, there are very dark pieces that were written at other times, very happy periods in his life and he was able to separate that out and somehow it whatever happened in his life made it into his pieces in different ways
1: you know that's a really really good point charles i think that a lot of people kind of have this misunderstanding about mozart really uh they tend to kind of kind of lay a sort of a romantic aesthetic on sometimes and it's easy to do when you sort of think about the fact that he died young and you know his requiem was unfinished and and, and things of this nature. And that, and that it's true that there is no recorded record of his last two symphonies, either 40 or 41, being performed in his lifetime. Although I really believe that they had to be at some point, at least in some kind of house concert, because you're right, he probably wouldn't have written them otherwise. Um, he, was, uh, he never wrote for you know, per- perpetuity, you know, looking to the future. That's a romantic aesthetic that just did not belong and love Mozart. Do you know Charles, you must know about the the new biography of Mozart that's out?
0: No, I don't. I'd be interested oh, to hear Jan, about that.
1: John Schwafer. Do I even have it? Oh, here? he is
0: amazing. My yeah, favorite my favorite biography that I've read so far of a composer is his Brahms biography, which
1: is oh, so good. I love it. I love it. I felt like I knew the man. You know, yeah. it's such a great biography because it just it 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 enlivens all of his little including his faults. Yes. You know, it, it just paints such a detailed picture of him. And, and yet he has such affinity for the man that he's able to portray him realistically. And yet yeah, you, you're drawn to this man, this bronze man. Well, he's, you know, and, you know, he has since written a, a biography of Beethoven that came out early in the aughts. You know, that takes a lot of guts, right? You think there's anything been written by Beethoven, about Beethoven before, right? right. So well, you're going to jump into that. And another beautiful biography. Well, the, the Mozart biography just came out in December. I think it's probably still available and only in hardback. And I, I bought it in January, you know, as soon as it came out. And it's mm-hmm. also a spectacular, spectacular biography. Mm. I would recommend it to all of your listeners. You know, these, these people were real people. They were, they were flesh and blood people. They were just walking around just as you and I are now. And sometimes it's hard to, to kind of conceive that with these iconic mm. figures. Yes. Based on the Mozart. But reading this biography really helps. I mean, such oh, a
0: great I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely find that. Um, um, so wonderful. So the 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 Lindt Symphony. So that rounds out
1: the, yes. the concert. Yeah, it does. And so we're really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll all, information. If it's not already up on the website, it will be shortly. It's really you know easy to f- figure out what's going on with us. I mean, we got our website. We're on Facebook. We're up to over a thousand friends on Facebook now. Fantastic. So we just want to keep that growing, too. And it's just a good way to keep in touch with us.
0: And Thank I have so to much. say the uh, an incredibly affordable ticket price.
1: I mean, obviously, we want to serve the community. We want to get some music out there. But we're almost doing this almost as much for ourselves. Uh, we want to do as much as we can to get keep the group together and keep us playing
0: you mentioned next fall. Is are there any uh, hints that you can give us about what well, you're planning for next fall, just in terms of some highlights? Obviously, we're going to try to honor
1: Beethoven again uh, in the fall. Uh, we do have we always have our family concert now, and no, oh, yeah. we're not having three leg torso back quite yet again, uh, which I've already been asked. <laughs> but uh, we are going to um, we're going to do a probably what's looking like a cowboy concert. Mm. Uh, Western theme concert, and we're going to have all kinds of uh, video accompanying that concert as well. But we're going to be doing things like uh, some great movie music, like the overture to the Cowboys, by John Williams, one of his first. Great people don't piece. know too much that he wrote that. And of course, there's the old, uh, there's the old, uh, the original Magnificent Seven theme from the nineteen sixties, which people know, but they don't know that they know. And uh, you know, we'll probably throw in some Copeland in there and some other. Mm-hmm other stuff and who knows what kind of special guests might arrive but also i gotta tell you we are not going to actually have our young artist competition this next year because we are still holding on to our three competition winners from two years ago right uh and all three of which have said that they'd still be interested in performing with us and i felt like we had to contact them and keep them in the loop before moving on because they did win the competition so we're really excited about that. I don't know if everybody in the orchestra is excited because we are doing a movement of a talk piano concerto, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, we're, uh, we're going to be doing that concert as well at the end of the season. So, great. so there's a couple, couple of hints for you. Thanks so
0: much, Travis Hatton, yeah. for joining us. It was really great to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you in person one of these days at one I- of your mm-hmm. concerts.
1: Once, once we are back to actually seeing people in pe- person again, yes, I too. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. This has been great fun.
0: Wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks so much. As always, check out the show notes at www.classicalcurrents.com forward slash show notes for links to things we've discussed in this and all the other episodes of this podcast. Our theme music was written and performed by Oregon's own Kenji Bunch. Please check out his music and more at www.kenjibunch.net. See you next time.